Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening in the world, whatever time zone, whatever wonderful apps, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spreaker, wherever you're at, I appreciate you. You're listening to an episode of the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show, Andrea in the Morning, called Level Up DIY Head Extraction. Um, We interviewed Daniel Jackson at 1202 Deuce Lee on Instagram, elsewhere, and Danny Deuce on, on Twitter. Please follow him. He's an amazing musician, artist, author and a microbiologist. Um, He had a lot of wisdom to share and insight. The question he posed to his audience was, how do you motivate a person who doesn't think superheroes exist? Really, really great question, and we had a great time diving into it. Um, If you haven't already listened to the first segment aired last week, go back and check that out, as well as the previous episodes. This is a series, of course, as always. And if you haven't listened to the previous episodes of the Living Sugar Free Lifestyle Show, if you're new, uh, go back and check those out. We always try to build on each other. Daniel and I spoke back uh, when we did the Writing Community Creator Series as well as during the Wellness Series at the very beginning of the quarantine. So um, we didn't go backwards, y'all. And we alluded to some things that we talked about, a really big conversation that we had. And this one kind of builds on that one. So you definitely want to go back and check out the others so you can put it all together. Uh, You can catch the video on YouTube, rolling that out little by little. Of course, segments, if you want to see the whole thing, raw and uncut, with all of our bloopers and hilarity, you can catch us Thursday nights around 8 o'clock. It varies a little, depending on my guests. Um, And, of course, Daniel will be back again soon. I'm not going to talk a lot today on this podcast. I'm just going to play a little bit longer clip from my interview with Daniel. And um, if you haven't picked up the Living Sugar Free Revealed Aspie Secrets book, be sure to do that. Um, Hashtag DIY Head Extraction on Google or whatever your favorite social media platform is and definitely go check that out. Or you can just start with my website, sugarfreecoaching.com. Click on Living Sugar Free Real Talk and go read the DIY Head Extraction. Um, it's a great tool. It's been around for a while. People love it. Um, it's very helpful. I use it. So definitely go check that out so you'll get the basis for the whole talk in the series. And, um, we'll be right back after a message, um, with this clip from my interview with Daniel Chapman. Hi, this is Lee Grissom, the author of KLS 9 and Saber 6, and you're listening to the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the morning. Like, I was talking to my mom, and I talked to my, I talked to my mom a lot. I, I actually told my mom I was trying to get her, uh, uh, she, has, she has a friend down in Virginia who, who plays piano for a bunch of um, churches. He's really, really good. He is insanely good. He literally just played my mom out a an instrumental, like changing the piano to different sounds for uh, uh, her. She wanted to record a gospel song because she's really been enjoying doing this choir thing. But like I talk to her often about things that are going on because like we've uh, my mom's always had conversations with us about about this. I mean, one because I mean if 
you're if you grow up black, you just have conversations about this. And two, I was raised by a single black woman, like the most marginalized group. Right. If I'm being honest. Like for what? Like watching her go through half of this stuff. I'm just like you just can't turn a blind eye to it. Like you can't. Like we've always had conversations about this stuff, and it was like I told her I was like, um, it's just. I was like, it's crazy because like it's not. It's just it is like I keep seeing this meme floating that says it's not enough to be anti, or it's not enough to be not racist anymore. To just not be racist anymore, you have to be anti-racist. Right. I was like, that's, that's right. all we've been saying from 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 the jump. It's like I don't care. Realistically. I mean, like, thank you for not being an a-hole. Like, you want cookies for that? Like, you're not supposed to, like, you're not supposed to be an a-hole. Right. But, like, that doesn't help me. What helps me is you actively working against the people who are being a-holes. Imagine if you just stood up for me or recommended me every now and then. Imagine if, imagine if when they said, hey, do you know any other people who might make great speakers if you just consciously added one black name to the list every time you do that. And it's crazy because, like, to go, I would, to any of my friends and family who end up watching this, I am not sorry about what you're about to hear because you know me and you know my mouth. You know how this is going to be. So, <laughs> like, I have literally worked my entire like career not really intentionally but kind of subconsciously kind of consciously because you kind of know what you're doing like we're, I started looking into like studying things for like medical school and like therapy like specifically therapy uh, and like psychology when I was 14 because I went to a STEM school and like I wanted to choose a path and engineering just didn't seem like my route because like I'm not the most practically minded person. Like I get kinda hyped up about stuff and then like overthink it or underthink it. I don't know. I really wanted to go into engineering. Uh, in ninth grade I, I got I got in trouble, I almost set my classroom on fire. Because I couldn't, I asked the teacher for for help, and he was like, he was busy. He was helping other students. He was like, after I help this person, and then, like, I was like, okay, and then I watched him help three more people. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it myself. So I took the wax burnt, like the wax ring, and put it in the wax melt. And then, like five minutes later, like we smelled smoke. He was like, what happened? I was like, see. <laughs> This is why you just have to help me, because <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, but wait, but how about why is that a common thing that autistic people talk about? Why <laughs> do I always have to wait until you take five more questions? And why do I always have to be, wait, let me take this person's question before I get to you, and then the whole speech or the whole class is over and you never got to me? Why is that a common thing? What, what the... You can't treat children like that, y'all. Just because you have a kid who is present, what they call is precocious, present, whatever do you want to call it, the child's too smart and you scared of what they might say. That's what's gonna happen. 
If you keep on making them wait until you answer everybody else's questions and acting like them, treating them like they're not in the class, they're going to burn something down. <laughs> like, stop it. Stop treating us like that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we, we don't know what happened. You know what happened. You know you, exactly what happened. You know what happened. Let, you know listen. good and doggone well that child was asking you a question and you was ignoring them. That's why, that's why, like, I, I told my mom, she was like, she was like, I think I, maybe I accidentally raised y'all right. I was like, mom, to be completely honest, you did. I was like, to be completely honest, you did. I was like, it's because you, you did the one thing, the, and it was the one thing that you were trying to do on purpose. You didn't realize that it was what you were supposed to do. Is like, she didn't invalidate our feelings. Right. Like, she never went, and she, she, she always told us from the jump, she was like, look, I know y'all's character. I'm never just going to blindly believe something somebody tells me. Like, I'm going to want to understand the full thing. So come to me honestly, and I'm always going to be there for you. Like, it's mm-hmm. all I expect. And I was like, all right, bet. That makes it very clear. When the, when, when, when the rules are clear, the consequences are clear. So, like... Look, I don't get me started on like that. Listen, that's something very serious for me with autism. That's a very serious thing for me because a lot of people talk about autistic kids like they just flat stupid or something. And I don't care how nonverbal they are, I don't care how many meltdowns they have. I don't care. I don't care if you explain it to us instead of just. You know, a lot of parents, a lot of parents do that lazy because I told you so, oh, just flustered, frustration, whatever. And if you have an autistic child, that's just not going to work, I'm here to tell you. You have to explain things to them. You have to make sense. You have to be consistent. You can't just talk outside outside of your neck, (laughs) saying one thing and doing another. And to be completely honest, my 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 mom did make, especially like when she really started going through her own issues, and again, I thought raised by a single black woman and like though she had men come in her life like when you understand the experience of what it means to be a black woman you'll understand why single black woman is still possible with a man in your life and it's because I'm going to say this very clearly I'll make sure the camera gets me Say this very clearly. I'm gonna say it the way I same way I say Black Lives Matter. And the concept all some good cops. Talking about a system. I'm talking about a system. If good cops existed, they would be allowed to exist. Not fired for speaking up. Come on. Or demoted. And likewise, men are garbage. Generally speaking, we we instill, we teach, instill garbage as the, the foundational system. We do not protect our women. We do not look out for our women. Like... So, like, when you understand, like, like, it's just use and abuse and then feedback to wolves, like, and it's like, you're sitting there at some point, like, 
again, things just have to be clear. Like, why is it not clear that this is asinine? Like, one, to treat another human being. I, I would look sometimes at, at some stuff, and, and this is to get you know, a, a little deeper in my life. I would look look at, at, at some situations sometimes and be like, it doesn't even make sense to say if your mother was treated this way because understanding the experience of what I watched my mother go through, I could 100% understand that his mother probably did go through that. What's worse is the whole time he's watching his mother go through that, somebody is telling him why it's okay that his mother is going through that and why he needs to believe that she she deserves to be going through that. So then he grows up and understands, understands that it's okay to do again to the next person. And that's called a cycle. That's a trauma cycle. Look, we ain't gonna act like you just didn't say, basically, it's broken. And if you're not actively trying to fix it, then you some garbage too, basically, because you can't be a good cop or a good man or a good soldier or a good leader or a good boss or a good politician or a good human and not feel some type of way about not what's going on. Hello, hear me clearly. Not what's going on. What's finally come to a head? and what's been going on. Because for starters, y'all gonna stop talking about being upset about what's going on, like what's going on is not coming to a head of what we have been going through. Mm-hmm. What I been going through, okay? 40 something years I've been on this planet. I ain't making this up. I didn't, we didn't <laughs> just bump our heads yesterday and figure all this stuff out. And for some of us, what's going on now is even more disgusting because we've been going through it. And some people are acting like they just woke up and found out yesterday. Yep. Okay. And what Daniel just now said is something that I address a lot, but I ain't no man. And I can't address it like he just now addressed it. But he basically just said, if you have any parts of any of what's been going on, if you've been seeing any of what's going on, and if you're currently acting like, Okay, we just get back to business as usual. You are some trash. Garbage. Because how can you? How can you be any kind of leader, hero, or anything? I don't care what you've been through. And see the suffering of your fellow man, of your women, of people who are less fortunate than you are hurt, or people that you know been being oppressed. And it just don't phase you, and you don't have no care or concern to do nothing about it. Like, so what, you're not racist, but you don't care. You're not. Speaking of which, that's what we're supposed to be talking about anyway. <laughs> so, you know, what, what, do, what do you say, Daniel, to the person who says, well, who am I? What can I do? I'm just trying to feed my family. I'm just trying to survive. You know, I ain't never had no superhero. Right? What was the question, Daniel? What if you don't believe in superheroes? Yeah. How how and do that you was ins- an old post from some years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So how tell do me you about ins- that? Where did that come from and how did it come up and what was the backstory behind that? How do you inspire some I, I'm pretty sure this and, and this goes to, to my most recent vocal article that I that I wrote. 
the the picture that I tagged is is of of my friend uh, Ellis um, and, and his brothers, uh, close friends he he grew up with. But it's something that that I got, I think he posted it. He posted something the same day, and it was something about like. I think it was around the Fred, the Freddie Gray riots, and my heart broke. If anybody understands anything about the Freddie Gray riots, Freddie Gray happened in Baltimore. That happened, like that happened in in my backyard. Like I grew up there. I didn't know Freddie Gray personally, but he is someone I could have could have easily known he like I have people friends who did know him and I understand their hurt and there was a kid who was who was arrested during that time because he 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 cut a fire hose they set fire to him and he cut the fire hose nobody was in them they evacuated like way 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 earlier and they just set fire to the to the because they didn't they were tired of looking at it. And that's what it was. They were, they were tired of seeing the store that 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 didn't represent anything but pain and suffering to their community. They were tired of looking at it. Like, he might not have even been the one to set fire to it, but he was like, "Let that bitch burn." And he walked by and he cut the fire hose. He was like, "You know what? No water supply. I'm, we're gonna make it just as hard for you as you made it hard for us," mm-hmm. because it's frustration. That's what people do. Right. Hurt people. Hurt people. That's right. Like, simple as that. And we're not going to bash the victims and blame the victims. We are going to blame the person that has been victimizing them, that has caused them to feel like they have no other recourse. And all my words are for the people who have some type of influence over the pain that these people have been going through. Mm-hmm. So before the story actually broke, friends of mine started circulating like uh, information uh, along Facebook uh, about it being, being a friend of mine. And I was like, well... I literally just stopped in I'd, and uh, like spoken to him just like a, a month or two earlier. Just being back in Baltimore, we stopped by a store he was working in, and like chatting, catching up old times. Like this is a guy I knew, he's a friend of mine. I know his character, same way my mom told me. I know your character. And that's the way I approach. It. I know his character. So now I have to uh, approach the situation. Okay. Something is clearly amiss here, and it's not like not something that I don't know because again, we're raised in this. I'm not here to address the problems, the problems have been here, we've been addressing the problems, so now we're addressing solutions, and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a bunch of people addressing solutions, like we have to talk about this. You can't take someone's basic human rights when we were all in kindergarten we were we all looked at each other and we were like i hope you make it out of here alive i have only been here for a few moments on this earth i don't know what's going on so where do we learn to be so mean spirited and hateful and disgusting like i don't know because the problems have been here i don't know Socialization skills. We, we, we teach it. Oh, boys will be boys. What does that mean? Like, what that vague expression you have just so just so you can sexually assault yeah. someone and yeah. silence them? Pretty much. 
right. because boys will be boys. That vague expression, just a something you can hide behind, because that's what vague expressions are. There's something you can hide behind. They're a smokescreen. Our whole entire society is built on a rape culture that has all types of alternative languages for rape. Our whole society is based on that, from military mm-hmm. to schools to from the mm-hmm. youngest to the oldest, from Hollywood to etc. 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 And I do know that it's a tactic of power to oppress somebody or cause them pain or otherwise, you know, take away from them in some kind of way to make them hungry enough to do what you want them to do so that you can give them stuff. And you know what? And if if you're... (laughs) If you're listening to this and you're offended by this conversation so far, let me go a bit further. Um, That is the weakest form of power. It is. That's 100% what it is. It is is a form form of of power. Basically. It is the weakest form of power. Sorry to cut you off, but let me put this out here. That goes for women who do it too, y'all. It's like when women assist rapists it's turned into that they're victims. But when men assist rapists or whatever the oppressor person is, they're horrible. We gotta start looking at this the same. And yes, you you can traumatize a woman into aiding the rapist. You can traumatize a male employee into oppressing his lower uh, ranking employees, just like you can traumatize a black man into um, assisting in the oppression of black women or um or or a black woman into hating on other black all of this y'all it doesn't matter if we're talking about men or women or black or white it's all from a place of trauma and we have to talk about that when we start talking about solutions too because a lot of us i'm not again i'm not judging you if you don't feel like talking to no white people at all right now that's your prerogative i'm just saying (laughs) maybe you should consider that if you are, if you really got the Eve gene, hello somebody, then <laughs> maybe all of these years of heartache and pain and trauma and oppression, and yet we still here, we still standing, we still shining, we still doing what we do. I'm not saying for everybody, some of y'all are too damaged and you don't have no business talking to nobody. But if you have, still have the strength, What's wrong with teaching people how to do it right? What's wrong with being the one to show the way? I mean, we don't have to, like, just write people off just because they did it wrong. Uh And and to to tie back to that, can you, can you, and I I ask this question to anybody who is willing to take up this this challenge, because that's what it is, it's a challenge. Can you inspire someone who doesn't believe and heroes how do you inspire someone who doesn't believe in heroes there's only one way to do it i've been thinking about that ever since i first saw that question in your profile we decided we were going to do this show i've been thinking (laughs) about that question and i've been talking through with people and the one little part i just now said i just now came to because like what i first said was if if you've never if you don't believe in superheroes it's probably because you don't feel like you've ever seen one 
And if you've never seen one, chances are it's you. If there's no superheroes to be found and you are conscious of the very concept of it, then it's probably you. But oftentimes, just like you see in the movies, people like Stan Lee and T.S. Eliot and all those writers did a really great job of giving us, you know, fictional things that we can grasp on that, that are metaphors for life. The whole Wolverine, you know, I'm nobody's hero. Who can I help? I'm just a mutant. I messed up my own self and all those sorts of things. They're excuses of why I can't step up to the plate and Mm -hmm. be the change and stand up for you if you need me to stand up for you. Those are excuses. But that's not the question. The question isn't how do you become a superhero if you don't believe in superheroes. The question was how do you inspire someone who doesn't believe in superheroes? And then therefore that answer is for the person who has seen superheroes and who has experienced superheroes. And they're looking at this person over here, the young Padwan, the young uh, grasshopper, trying to explain to them how they're supposed to take up this mantle and be the change and, and, and do for others, right? But this person mm-hmm. don't believe in superheroes. Well, guess what? If you're the sensei, if you're the guru, if you're, if you're Professor X, the only way that you're gonna inspire somebody who doesn't believe in superheroes is to show them what a superhero looks like. It's the only way. Yes. Only yes. Way. Yes. That brings me to my. How are you gonna keep telling me how I have this destiny to fulfill and how I'm responsible for helping others, and I'm sitting here telling you I don't know what that looked like and I don't know what it feel like and I ain't never seen it, but you telling me I gotta do it. If you're not going to do it for me and show me what that looks like, there's no way that you're going to tell me that that's what I'm supposed to be doing because it's just talk. It's just lip service. Yeah. Go back and watch the other podcast because we we get into some stuff and we don't got time to go back (laughs) and catch it all up. But you know, all I do, all I do because you have to put in the footwork so I, I pose that question. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you brought it back up. I'm so glad because that that is that, that we got some stuff coming. That's gonna be the, be at the forefront of what's coming next. By the way, this been this been a crazy year, but it's been exactly what what I've been hoping to to set us up perfectly. Listen, for, y'all gotta start. go back and listen to the previous episodes we had, because, <laughs> but. Six months ago, a year ago, when we were talking about this, we left out the part of what was going to have to happen in order for us to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect setup. It was the perfect setup. It's almost it's- like it's almost like we didn't know how bad off we were. Isn't that something? We didn't know that we were so traumatized and so stuck as a culture that we were sitting here calling for something for the future but we didn't realize how deep we were and how much digging out of where we were we had to do before we could get where we was talking about yep it's so clear all, all of the things that are happening all the businesses popping up all the businesses shutting down come on 
it is it's it, it's it's a lot. Everybody's passions have been jarred and stirred, and and it's a it's a lot happening, and it's the perfect storm of a lot happening. And this is exactly what we needed. So, so I'm hyped. So I'm really happy that question that, that, that popped back up because now, now is the time. Like we, 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 we read, we read about the superheroes. Like we, we had, we had the generation who wrote about the superheroes. We had the Stan Lee's who wrote about the superheroes so then that we could read about the superheroes so then we could become the superheroes yeah that's y'all that's everyday people you're listening to the sugar-free lifestyle show with andrea in the morning this is simply denise of sd management and consulting yeah. That's the reality. That's my reality. That's my 40 plus year reality on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, enlightened, um, non-racist allies, which this is oftentimes what happens when the supremacists come and now it's them or me. Well, who do you think they're going to pick <laughs> when the lights aren't on and the media cameras aren't on? It's just us. Yeah. We just in the boardroom. We just in the office building. We just in the office. We just at work. We just on the street. And it's just three or four people. Me and a supremacist and somebody who's supposedly not racist. Whose side do you think they're going to pick? Y'all, I'm sorry, but very rarely, very rarely does the quote unquote not racist person just flat stand up for me. Usually... Mm -hmm. They're going to either take the other person's side, assume I was wrong, or overly justify to the victim why I need to not make such a big deal out of whatever the thing is. So, this ain't new. And I'm just going to, I'm going to have a hard time jumping off the deep end with anybody, whether it be because TikTok is so racist. Well, if TikTok is so racist, then Facebook and all of them need to be shut down because I have some proven factual incidences that I have gone through. I should have been had a Twitter check mark. I should have been had a Facebook check mark. I've been hated on by Google. I've been hated on by Wikipedia. Blatant stuff, y'all. So Right. Now we get into the meat of it. Yeah, I'm banned from Wikipedia for life. What? Have been for like ten years now. Banned for life. You know why? Hi. For writing an article about the third infantry and explaining what the first female voice is, what the voice of the the old guard does. It was a very factual informational article. Hello, because I was the public affairs coordinator. I think I might ought to be able to write about it. Yeah. Because because I am the first female voice, but the article wasn't all about me. Um they banned me for life and said I was doing self promotion. What? Wow. Wow. The way information is controlled. But you can put all manner of foolishness and misinformation on Wikipedia and nobody cares. It's not even it's not even something that you consider as a, a valid um, 
research source when you're in college. You're not allowed to use Wikipedia, right? But I'm banned for life for putting some factual information in there. As a as the official public affairs coordinator for the third United States Infantry, I'm not allowed to put information on Wikipedia about the third United States Infantry. Because it, it all ties back to and and I'm so glad you said what you said. I'm so glad when you get to talking. I always get so glad when you get to talking. School them. School them. The truth of the matter is, we can blame whatever institutions, whatever social media sites, whatever businesses, whatever, whatever, whatever we want to blame. But we also need to not detract from the fact that it is not necessarily these. That's why this narrative, like the, this conversation, is so hard. It's 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 not the it's it's not the TikTok, it, it's not it's not the Facebook or the MySpace or or, or it, it's it's the people who believe the narrative that has been pushed for so long. It's the people. Who are in control of these companies? It's it's the people who who not not even just in control of the companies, but the people who are sitting there and looking at the video. It's the customers too. I started working when I was in high school. I, I worked my way through college until I got my first uh, internship that I turned into a job. My first year when I moved up to college, I, I told my manager by by my birthday I wanted to be a manager. So she made me a food service manager on my birthday. She she had the uh, district man, manager come in and sign my uh, sign my stuff. I was like lit. She was like, "Are right, you gonna be in charge of night shift since you do so well?" It was only like one other person. But then like eventually we got people who rotated out night shifts, and I eventually had like three four people that I would work with regularly. And I used to think too when I was working there, I was just a young kid and when I started. I was like I was seventeen. It was right before I turned eighteen. They let me start a little bit early doing like taking out the trash and stuff. <laughs> like even at eighteen, like young kid. And like, have grown men, like people, walling me out, like grown people, like disrespecting me. That's a whole nother <laughs> layer of all of this stuff we're talking about. If me and my staff are jumping through all these kinds of hoops to serve you, and you still ain't happy, I'm gonna very politely and very kindly refer you to shop somewhere else, because clearly. We don't have the level of service that's to your standard. And that's my polite way of telling you, don't come back. Because I have a good staff. I'm, I'm training a good staff. I'm developing quality people. I'm developing quality teams. And you're not going to come in here and abuse my staff. And any manager who allows that is trash. And that whole the customer's always right thing, it does not transcend over into abusing um, and, and, and traumatizing people. <laughs> and, and there was a point in my career where I felt that shift. And it was around 2001, 2002. And at this time, I, I had gone to the military already. I had came back, so I did some retail stuff. We had a management team at on the north side of um, Atlanta um, perimeter who thought that they were going to um, rob the store blind and blame it on us. Why do I say that? 
Because why did I go there just for a job, just thinking I'm just making some money, and now all of a sudden you want me to be the customer service manager? It's a whole store full of people in here. You just voluntarily want the black girl. You just voluntarily want to give the black girl a promotion. Mm. I'm good. I'm good. I'm that good. But the world is not that generous. Okay? Mm. So I immediately am side-eyeing y'all. All these people in here, all these people mad because I just started working here, but you about to promote me. Something ain't right. Something is not right. And I'm an empath. So usually when I go into a situation and it ain't right, not because I'm paranoid, because I'm not. But usually when I go into a situation and something ain't right, I feel it. And I get the sense of, I ain't going to be here long. Something ain't right, something ain't going to work out, right? Mm-hmm. These managers were robbing the store blind. Daniel, they would wait until me and all of the cashiers would count down all of their registers. They got to count down their money. Then I got to go behind them and count down their money. And then we got to both sign off on it and lock the money in the safe and leave. And then all of a sudden we come back the next morning and it's money missing. Mm. I ain't got no key to this store. I don't have no alarm code that I can turn, come in here in the middle of the night and turn off the alarm codes. At, come on now. Come on. But y'all was setting me up for the okie doke. They thought they was going to some kind of way blame that missing money on me. But I'm not no dummy. And I've been doing this too long. So I flipped it on him and I immediately called when I the first time I count some money and lock my keys in the safe and leave up out of here and come back the next day and some money is missing. I'm calling the 1-800 number because you ain't finna pin this on me. I have been there and done that too many times. I have had three, three, count them three. I have had three retail promotions in my lifetime because the management team was robbing the store blind when I came in, and they talking about, well, get you one. Really? First of all, no thank you. I buy my own clothes. That's why I got a job. But second of all, yeah, right. So y'all can blame it on me? Ain't nobody yeah. stupid. And that was when I saw that shift, because the other thing that happened during this time that these managers were, were robbing the store blind was, they were allowing the customers to throw the employees under the bus and then come save the day. So like, it's all your fault and the product is garbage and I'm never gonna shop here again. And then you go to the manager and say, please let me just give this person an exchange. Clearly they bought it here, blah, blah, blah. I just wanna make the customer happy. Nope, sorry, no exchanges. They're past the date, real cut and dry, nasty. And then when the customer is about to jump over the counter and choke you to death, then they come out the back like the savior and save the day and give the person their money back. Uh, uh-huh. And I'm totally against that. If there is a solution to be had, you come in my office, let's talk about the solution. Okay, now go on back out there and tell the customer what you decided to do for them. What do you need me for? Yep. But a lot of people don't get that. So they're setting people up to have these people coming in the store talking to these employees any old kind of way and thinking that it's okay and that they can get away with it because I'll tell your manager. You can tell the manager all you want to. I'm not here to be a doormat. Oh. Uh-huh. They tell the story today about how I jumped across the counter <laughs> at the man <laughs> and was like hey. ready. I was like, either the police going to take you out of here or I'm going to take you out of here, but you're going to leave us <laughs> out of here today because you're not going to threaten. You're not going to threaten me and you're not going to threaten my staff. Uh-huh. Right. Care, period. Period. And I don't allow any employees to treat my customers bad. Those are my customers. 
And if I know that, like you said, I know your character, I know what I'm dealing with. So if a customer come in here talking crazy to you, I'm going to politely invite them to shop somewhere else. And, and people just don't, they don't have that level of service anymore. So if the customer does start complaining, then the manager come out of the back, they don't know what happened. You probably was being nasty to the customer because we really didn't train you any better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a catch-22. It's a vicious cycle. Because they don't care about the employees, so they're not training the employees well. They don't care about the customers, so they're not training them. They just want some workers and to fill spaces. And if and, and if you're not good enough, we'll just fire you and move on to the next one. And it's just a, a, it's just a hot mm-hmm. mess. It's just yeah. a hot mess. Which is why, which is, <laughs> well, I say, honestly, it, it, it was time for, like, it, the world to go on a hard pause in these businesses that have to take a hard That's look. Right. That's right. Get back like, to shopping what, small. Get back to shopping local businesses. Understand what 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 essential really means. Mm-hmm. Like understand like what 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 treatment. That one of the best managers I ever had to this day. To this day, probably the best manager I ever had. Her name was Ricky Lee, 2012 in Baltimore. And that was just a crazy experience. It was my first job. And then when I went to college, I had to transfer up. And it was just something something so different. You, you hit the nail on the head. Like, management is not... And this ties into... And you said something earlier that I really wanted to get into about parenting. <laughs> Excuse me. I, 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 know, I know this is going to come off offensively to a lot of people. Especially if you don't know... I got a book about teaching a little girl how to fish, Come teach on, your daughter how to fish. I am not a parent, though, so this is not professional parenting advice. And my mom used to tell me that um, there's no there's no manual for how to parent. And I had to really sit and think on that, and I was like, wow, you're right. But also, to add to that, there is a wrong way to do it. Don't, don't accept just because oh, well, I don't have the instructions to this, that there isn't a wrong way to do it. I told you, I had I, I put the steamer together wrong earlier. There, I didn't have the directions to it. it was Were still they clearly, in a language or you just didn't read them? No, nah, I just didn't read them. Like, I didn't see them when I pulled the steamer out, so I just went straight to it. But, like, just because I didn't have the, 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 the directions or the instructions doesn't mean that there wasn't a right way to do it. Right, I just didn't right. do it right. Right, like you right. can't can't blame. Oh, nobody nobody showed me the right way for doing it wrong. Somebody is pointing out to you that you're doing it wrong. No, I saying. Most people don't even do what you just did, which is admit that they that the reason they messed it up is because they didn't read the instructions. <laughs> yeah. Most people will spend forever and now on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, most people will not admit that. They messed it up because they didn't read the instructions. And I'm bad. I, I, I will try to do a lot of stuff before I read the instructions. <laughs> because instructions are just, for the most part, a pain in the neck. A lot of times, they're too small. So I oftentimes will try something before reading the instructions. Oftentimes. Yeah. like they're I can't, I Well, we got audited the other day at work. And I guess it was one of our more serious auditors. Um and they uh, looked over some of the paperwork for, for um, we we make uh, 
we make healthcare supplies, and like some of the supplies we were making, um, the one coworker of mine was doing a worksheet, and the language for mixing the prep she was making wasn't exact enough uh -huh. for him, and I was like, "Wow, wow!" Like you really have to finesse. I mean, she she worked her way around it. It was that it didn't. It was like, uh, how how do you know how how strongly you're supposed to mix it for? I was like, that's not a, a calibratable thing, you know. Strength strength of mixing. That's a subject. That's a subjective experience. Will look strong to me mixing. Might not look strong to you mixing. You know. And like. Is there a rule to it? it uh, uh, apparently, so a lot of, they started putting in, I guess because of this reason, they started putting in mix at moderate speed, mix at high velocity. So what she said was <laughs> that she, the previous step called for it to mix at moderate speed. So she just mixed it at moderate speed. So of course he hits her with, well, what do you consider moderate speed? I'm like, that's really subjective. Like, I don't know. Is there a rule to this? So she just had a vortex. And unfortunately, her prep was wrapped. So he couldn't see. But he was like, I'm like, subjective. I was like, when things aren't very clear, black and white. maybe that we wouldn't necessarily do well in the military but we actually do well in the military because the military is kind of dummy proof sometimes i mean except of course when you start adding in you know sexism and racism and all that <laughs> bunch of foolishness but for the most part you know the rules are what the rules are and either you're doing well or you're not it's not subjective, you know what I mean? The military is one of those kind of things where if you stay around long enough, you're going to eventually get promoted. You're going to eventually, you know, you're going to eventually get whatever goal, accomplishment you're trying to get accomplished. Um, it's just one of those kind of things. Right, because the military self-serving system, like it teaches, at least in that that aspect, like being a a soldier and leading soldiers. And if anybody has never read the Art of War, I encourage you to please, 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 please read it, because, like, once you do, you'll you'll start to understand a little bit, a little bit more about like what actually is going on right now in the world. You and and like oh there's this one excerpt i was i was reading that i can never get out of my head it was about um the emperor emperor asked he was like oh, so so you can you can train anybody right like you're supposed to be this this, this great great military mind he's like yeah of course i can train anybody like what do you have in mind give me your army and the emperor calls himself being funny he's like i'm not gonna give you an army i'm gonna give you all of my uh, my concubines 
And then dude's like, okay, I said I could train anybody. And he gets them lined up. And he gives them orders, like military orders on what this is what you're doing. Like, line up. And you think something simple, line up. Line up. And I think I think beforehand he like divided them into like groups and then like assigned a leader to each group to represent each group and like told them to line up and like you know their their concubines like that's what they do for a living so they probably think this is a game so they start giggling and like he takes the emperor's favorite concubine and like chops her head off and repeats right back to it again and like it's an extreme example but like when we first started talking about all of the people who are the culprits being traumatized and trained to operate that way right so it's like the this the the system the system is 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 fail-proof in that aspect and we're going to regurgitate like we can regurgitate that to a t but what someone someone a long time real, uh, ago realized is that it doesn't just strictly maintain to like physical type manifestations like that that you can actually teach people how to be teachable and like that's an that's an important distinction if nobody got that to make on, on teaching people how to be teachable because the teaching people how they're going to learn for the rest of their life That's and right, then right. and then how they're going to teach everybody else they That's interact right, right. with how to right, learn right, for the rest right. of their life so the the it, intentionally it's set up so people have specific niches like you're good at this thing like you've gotten good at learning this thing so now you've become good enough to teach this thing to someone else to learn it the way you've learned it because you've mastered that style of, le of learning. It just might have worked for you. Who knows? It doesn't matter. You never had control of that in the first place. Right. right. Because it was already predetermined for you. And, and if you think this is some conspiracy nonsense, like listen to what I'm telling you. This is from a, from a psychological standpoint, from a biological standpoint. It's not conspiracy theory. It's not wires and, and ropes and chains. This is DNA. You, you never had a chance. It was programmed in you. Because before you were born, you had parents. And your parents learned. And they were taught things. You had mentors and friends that would come into your life. And they learned and were taught things. And where did they learn from? Their parents. So the, their learning style was predetermined. Because they learned that. I'm speaking from... A standpoint of breaking this idea of destiny that we hold mm -hmm. and absolutely because it is this this system that has been built up for us to 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 sit and and regurgitate and it's why like people get so dumbfounded like oh my god I can't believe this person has more than one talent like who who, who, 
ask yourself this question. If you if you hear if you're hearing these words come out of my mouth, ask yourself this question. Because I ask myself this question almost every other day. Who am I without the trauma? What does that identity look like? Wow. Who do I get to be? Like me, me and my friends used to do this thing, and, and, and rest in peace to, to to my friend Devin. Um, always, God, God bless his beautiful soul. The the type of friendship I have with my friends is the type where we encourage each other to be beautiful, and to be happy in our beauty, and to try and overcome it. By no means do we know we're not perfect. We don't expect perfection. But beauty doesn't require perfection. Right. Beauty exists in spite of perfection, and because and, of imperfections, right? And because of because of imperfections. So, like, why? Why? I, I can't ask my my friends to do any more than to just try and stay beautiful. Right. Like, try and stay beautiful people. Try and be happy. And like one one thing, like I, I I've really been giving a lot of thought to is like. The most beautiful sentences in the world I will probably cherish close to my heart ever, and I can't wait to have kids one day. Black boy joy and black girl magic. These are are these are these are life properties. <laughs> I I I exist. Is I I was. I had to really stop and think. Like, when's the last time? I was carefree, joyous, where I could just be carefree, and, and, and it's it's so complicated because like, and this this when I really thought about it, this broke me down, and this is what made me start thinking about like my my therapy sessions and everything. It is. And when I first received the diagnosis, I, I really sat there and I, I looked and I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a smart guy and, you know, I, I involve myself with things. Like I said, I've, I've been looking into psychology since I was a teenager. So, like, I'm, I'm not unfamiliar with what, you know, or at least I didn't think I was unfamiliar with what, what autism is. I was like, there's no way. I was like, and it's not because I necessarily thought it had to look a certain way. It was because I was pretty sure that somebody was supposed to do something <laughs> about it. Like, there's no way. There's no way. Nobody ever said, "Hey, can you stop yelling at at at, at you know? Can you, can you stop screaming in Daniel's face? Or hey, can you stop rearranging the stuff on Daniel's desk?" So so I'm like, okay. Like there was a time where and and, and I I was I, I existed in my own world. I really did. Like. When I was with my brothers, I was with my brothers, like 100%. And even sometimes then, like, we'd all be hanging out, like, playing video games, whatever, goofing off, doing something we weren't supposed to be doing, probably. And, like, I would just be at peace, existing with them. Like, watching them do their thing. My little brother running around like a maniac. My older brother probably breaking another game or toy because he got mad. And, like, I would just be sitting there, like, the calmest in the world, not even paying attention really to what's going on. Probably just thinking was really all it is. Thinking, sitting, sitting with my thoughts. 
but I was truly carefree. I was I was joyous, but then things started getting overwhelming. And at the same time, things started getting overwhelming. I started learning that I wasn't allowed to be overwhelmed. And that's the hard part. And I was like, black boy joy, black girl magic. Elijah McClain, Elijah McClain was happy, had a smile on his face through the pain. Try. So no, I'm I'm never gonna be able to stop saying Black Lives Matter and Black Boy Joy and Black Girl Magic are things that need to be protected because they're clearly not. And when you grow up in that experience, you understand why. It's because the moment you meet trauma, and for Black children, that is so quick. My uh, aunt, uh, Sam's aunt, uh, say aunt in law she shared shared a conversation that she had. She's a professor. She shared a conversation with, with um, a woman whom she respects, and she was like, um, she was like, yeah. The the statistic is something like most teachers, most teachers when asked, see see young black children, like young black men specifically, but young black children as a threat as early as nine years old. Hi, I'm Brian Cutter, and you're listening to the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the Morning. At least I think you are. If you're not, you're not hearing this. And you're not hearing Andrea, and you really should be because she's awesome. I can remember how the young black boys were treated in school. I remember. I remember that they always got in trouble and always got detention and always, you know, just being boys, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, being too loud or running around or, you know, not sitting still or whatever, just being kids. And um, I can remember you know, the heart, I always have remembered. Boys are bad, period. Just compared, just messy and and mischievous (laughs) and whatever. But it's not criminal. You know what I mean? It's not criminal activity. It's not, it's not malicious. It's just curiosity. And, and just the way that they treated the little black boys in school, the way that they were always intent in detention or always getting put out of school or always getting reprimanded and, you know, always, or, or either being made to seem like they were remedial versus huh? how I was treated, like, because I was a good little kid, you know, I was always, I was, I was well disciplined, okay? I was a military child and I was raised by a black woman, so... You know, you did not leave my mama's house and go nowhere in public and act a fool, period. So I did it. Um, So I was the teacher's pet. And the stark contrast between the way that I was treated and the way that they were treated versus how all the other kids were treated was always noticeable to me. But also how quickly I always fell away from being a teacher's pet. 
you know, yeah. even going into adulthood is not being a very social person, you know, not trying to always do the things that people are supposed to do to make people feel good about socializing. Oh, we're having a party. Oh, yes, everybody go. Or, oh, we're all going to sit together at the lunch table. Or, oh, we're all going to play this game at recess. Or, you know, even in banking, it was like, oh, we're all going to go to this bar after work. And because I never got those sorts of things. I never even caught on to the cues that, oh, if I'm going to be accepted, I have to do these things. I just thought, okay, I'm tired. Or, oh, I got work to do. Or, oh, whatever. I'm task-oriented focused. And so usually that's the point where I'm no longer the teacher's pet or the boss's pet or whoever. And so it becomes very obvious when, as the black woman, oh, you were the greatest thing since sliced bread, but now you done messed up. And so now you over here with the criminals. And that's mm -hmm. where we kind of got the term, don't forget you still black kind of thing, where we would see on television and in Hollywood and wherever else, Black people who rise to being the quote-unquote pet, favored, favorite, whatever. And for black women, there was even a whole article written about it a few years ago that um, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot in the black community, a lot of black men see it as black women have it easier. But in reality, it's not easier. It's because, you know, you have sexism, you have the gender stuff, you have the racism. And oftentimes, you know, with just a little bit of playing sellout, if you will, men, black men will be accepted into the good old boys network as a way to keep all of the women, you know, out. And, um, and so there's that. And so then as the black woman, if you're the, you know, we're more educated and more uh, fastest growing entrepreneurs and all these sorts of things. So if you should luck up and stumble into getting to be the chosen one for whatever title or job or opportunity or speaking gig or whatever the thing is, you know, like for me being the first female voice of the third infantry, that was a big deal. A lot of my white male counterparts were groomed for that role and raised and expected to get that position. So those are friends I lost because I got it instead of them and all those sorts of things that all of a sudden, if it's not perfect, um, if you don't toe the line, if you don't do exactly the thing, if you don't be part of the good old boy club, and if you don't do all the things that you're expected to do, you are so ostracized and so like, like you killed somebody's dog or like you killed a person or I mean, really like it's almost, you almost wish you had never been given the opportunity in the first place because, you know, they say that the black woman is marginalized um, uh, what do they say? They say, um, it's almost like we're not noticed until we're given the opportunity and anything goes wrong because now we're the enemy. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, it's just a really, really, really interesting dynamic that I think a lot of people have a hard time figuring out where oh. in there they want to play. Is it safe to stay unknown and fly under the radar? Is it safe to step out and be a leader and be a change agent? You know, do you want to sell out and just take care of me and mine? And it's just, I mean, uh, I understand. I really do. I, I probably understand more now than I ever have before. Right. People who choose to not take the road less traveled. Yeah. I, I, I do. I really like 
Yeah. Probably in, in recent months, I probably understand now more than I ever have people who choose to not step up to the plate, people who choose to not play the heroes, people who choose to not be the change agents or or to accept the leadership role when it's offered. I understand now more than ever. Who knows? Maybe if I had been given the, uh, the roadmap ahead of time, I might have chose to not do what I'm doing. I can't stop yeah. doing it now. I wouldn't be able to sleep. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. But I understand. I get it. I really do. Because who would voluntarily, who would want to voluntarily take this? Black girl magic to me, what it has had to become, and black boy joy too for that matter, what it has had to become is a horrible thing. It really is. Because the very nature of what it means, usually when I'm saying it, it's some old magical, amazing awesomeness that's beyond what most people can do in spite of circumstances and situations that would have caused most people to jump off a bridge. Like, I want to cry just saying that. Like, the very concept that usually when I, usually when I'm prompted to hashtag and shout somebody out and be like, rock on queen or black girl magic or you go, that that sort of level of celebration, usually what I'm saying is the very nature of it is considering all that you've been through and considering all the odds that are against you, it is amazing that you are still able to muster that level of greatness mm. with that level of attitude and leadership and positivity and joy. Like, it's unfathomable. Unfathomable. And people need to start taking note because it's something to learn from. It's, you know, it's a lot of people right now that can't even take the fact that we're still protesting. It makes them uncomfortable. It stresses mm -hmm. them out. They just want everything to get back to normal. And I, you know, it's, it's a lot of people, a lot of friends that I have that I've been knowing for a long time who are ready to cry or quit or be miserable at the drop of a hat. You know, it's, everything is the end of the world for them. And, and they just, you know, they can't just suck it up. And they can't just suck it up and, and deal with it. They don't know how. Whereas we haven't had a choice in the matter. All right. So. I always say to people who are like, well, I just want things to go back to normal. My response is always like, you ever think that maybe some people don't want things to go back to normal? Maybe, maybe That's back to normal. It's a very, it's a very bad. It's, it's not. It's not. Like I get it. I literally just said that. I literally just said on Instagram. I think my fear is that things will go back to normal, and many of you will be okay with that. Yeah, like because if that, you don't realize, back to normal is no place good for me. Mm. -mm. I was in. Back to normal is not a good place for me. It's not. Like you have to, I, I, and I've I've been I've been exhausting myself. I know I have. I've been exhausting myself because I've been at it every. I know 
people people tired of the protests and how tired do you think the protesters are come on like we had energy yeah come on <laughs> like to be realistic like, like really. the the fact that the fact that you can sit there and your privilege of being tired of your protest truly lets lets me know how tone deaf you are to to the fact that these people get tired too hopefully we'll get back to normal soon <laughs> These people like get, get getting tired is is what has these people out <sighs> working is is tiring. It's exhausting. It's exhausting to keep saying the same things over and over and over and over again. I wonder if many of my friends knew that even though I get on social media and I encourage them and I try to be part of the conversation and be positive and be the change and all that. That the reality of my life, just because I went to the store or tried to do something or, you know, came across somebody, when I was minding my own, I'm, I said I was going to steal this phrase from this lady, minding my own magical brown business. <laughs> 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 and can just be traumatized, just minding my own business, trying to live life on a regular basis. Things that I used to talk myself off of or chalk up or think in my mind if I'm making a big deal of, but things that are now that are being portrayed in the media like these horrible atrocities, like it's the end of the world, like we must make a change. And I'm like, all the times that ever happened to me, and I like talk myself out of it being a big deal, and now I'm watching it on the news happening to somebody else, and they talking about like, we need a change, and I'm like, like there's a long list of things like that. Yeah. And so whereas before the magic was continuing on and being the change anyway, now the magic is making sense of the realization that a, I never had to stand for the things I stood for, but B, that supposedly the world is not going to stand for those things anymore. And C, supposedly we're going to come to a place on the other side of this where I don't have to experience those things anymore, but that most of my friends and peers that I have been there for and supported would rather things just go back to normal and could care less. I just wonder if they knew all the times that I almost couldn't go on and do the thing I was doing because of whatever devastation, because of whatever trauma that in their eyes now, nobody should have to deal with. Like, I wonder if they knew all the times that I had to experience those things, if they would be less flip about it. Thanks for tuning in to Andrea in the Morning. This is Andrea Raquel, the social entrepreneur and sugar-free coach. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and following. I hope you've liked our page on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash sugar-free coach, as well as on Twitter. You can catch me on Twitter at sugar-free coach. I will follow back and reciprocate. I always do.